that was still covered with snow, but I grabbed my pack. I threw my pack right before the boulder, took my hand, swung it over, cleared off a bunch of snow, and uh, was able to actually rest. It's actually a really comfortable rest spot because I, I was able to take both my elbows, push them down in the snow, um, so my arms were all rested up, and I was able to take the rifle. The rifle was half rested on the pack, partially rested on the, on the snow that was above the rock, aiming at like a big downhill angle where the buck was. So I was really comfortable. I was able to like, you know, I wasn't able to lay like as prone as I want. I was kind of like laying downhill. My feet were kind of uphill behind me. So it was like one of those, like my back's all big and arched. And I'm trying to, look at the snow was there. So I was able to like flop into it and kind of like, you know, conform. Create a little divot kind of. Yeah. 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 And it kind of, I think it made me a little more steady too. So they would like sink down in that snow and then not be able to move the rifle and the pack was all steady. And yeah, that's when I ranged him again. That's that last time it was 440 yards and, you know, just hit, hit him perfectly. And it's made, it's just always surprises me shooting a rifle, you know, how long it takes to actually hear the hit. And I always saw the deer move before I heard the hit. And then, he, you know, run like maybe 50, 60 yards, stops again, it's facing kind of uphill. And I didn't, I didn't adjust anything. It's kind of held a little higher and, you know, cause I have a adjustable turret and I didn't, didn't want to move, mess with it at that time. And, Took another shot, hit him high, high in the spine, because that's all I had to aim at, and just fell over, and it was a, it was a done deal. And I was just like, I mean, I, I get pretty emotional. Like I just, when I shoot a deer, it's like my time, and it's like something I worked so hard for. And I'll, I'll definitely admit, it, I, I sat, I sat, messaged my uh, fiance, my dad, and I started like breaking down in tears. Like I'm just like laying on my back, like this is the coolest thing ever. I just like accomplished this solo, grinded it out the day before, snowstorm question my sanity, like all this stuff, open up the next day, best scenery I've ever seen, like big giant deer, just like worked out perfectly in a spot that I like, you know, learned to, you know, found it, loved it, just like grinded it out. Just like one of those things like that only, only hunter could like understand what you're, what you're feeling right there. It's just phenomenal. That is awesome. So at that point, did you go back up to your camp or did you just go right over to your buck and, and get to him? No, that's, that's kind of a part. I think I kind of second guessed myself now because so I had, like I said earlier, I was basically like a Michelin man when I was sitting there glassing because I was expecting to be sitting there for a long time or maybe go down the ridge a half mile, sit down, glass again, pick apart new basins. So I had all my clothes on when I made, made that stock and I still had all my clothes on. So like, I should probably run back up to camp really quick because camp was, you know, going to take me probably an hour to get back to going uphill and how steep it was and I had all my optics with me and I was like no I just need to get down there take care of his bucks at this point uh I think it was around 9 a.m maybe so I had plenty of time I was like I should drop off my optics drop off the extra stuff I don't need and I was like no I should let's just go down there like I love taking a, a you know a ton of photos I'm like I should just get down there start taking photos so I got this moment I was like oh I shot you know I know there's potentially grizzly bears here based on like the grizzly bear distribution map from the state. So it's like, is there a grizzly bear in the air that heard the shot? Cause everyone always says, you know, grizzlies during this time of year, is your shot. They instantly think gut pile, you know, could there be one down there? So like, maybe I just want to get this done really quick before it gets dark. So yeah, I, long story short, went straight down there with all my gear on and everything. And yeah, I started, uh, you know, celebrating the moment, like walking up to that deer and just like, he was half buried in the snow. All I could see was his big left side and his left side was the one that had the big uh, inline on it. And it's like, he was buried half his body in the snow. It was just like the picture perfect thing. Again, like I said, I wish I had someone else with me to like photos or video, like 
me lifting him out of the snow. His rack is all full of snow. His face is just seeing his big old, you know, body Roman nose on him and just seeing like a, the warrior of a deer in the mountains, you know, just like what I, what I strive to find that big old monarch and got him in the back country, got him all, you know, solo all by myself. It's just, yeah, it's just on cloud nine right there. Just phenomenal. Yeah. It's, it's uh, your photos on Instagram uh, for the listeners out there. Um, follow Brady, Brady underscore J underscore Miller. Um, just some beautiful photos of this buck and that inline on that left side is, is, uh, really cool. I love bucks with inlines. Um, he looks like he's got a pretty big body too. Oh yeah. I, I, I don't know how much it weighed, but I took three game bags up there and it filled three game bags to the brim of deboned meat. And it's one of those new Kuyu game bags. I think I had like two of the, uh, medium narrow and one of the smalls maybe. Yeah. And I was completely full of meat on all, all three bags. And it was, you know, he's already got that big barreled chest on him. It's starting to get that big neck. And yeah, it was, it was a big body deer and, you know, just a really cool framey deer. And yeah, just like that's one of those points where like, yeah, I should have maybe went and got those llamas because now I am. Uh, so it was basically, I, I camped at nine, six, I shot him at eight, five. And so I only had like, you know, a thousand, a little over a thousand feet to climb back up. And it was like, you know, three quarters of a mile horizontal distance, packing him out took like three hours and 15 minutes, I think, to get back up to the ridge. And I wasn't even at my camp yet. That's just back to the ridge. It took three hours, 15 minutes. I was like exhausted. I was taking, you know, every five, 10 steps. I was like, oh my gosh, I had to take a break. Like I had all my optics. I had all my camera gear. I carry extra batteries. I carry extra lenses. You I know, mean, you I have, probably had 150 pounds at that point, yeah, I would I, think. Yeah, I've deboned meat, and I had the, you know, cape for a shoulder mount. I had the whole skull because I don't have a saw because I didn't bring the saw last time on the trip. I didn't bring a saw this time because I was solo. So I had to keep the whole skull, the whole bottom jaw, the whole top jaw. Like, it was one of those times I was, I was sat messaging my uh, fiance Ash, and I was like, I am not going to be able to do this in one trip. It's like, I don't want to sound like I'm being a wuss right now, Ash, and I could be back tomorrow. I'm going to have to take another day and not get back till Sunday. Like I'm going to have to leave some of this meat up on top of the ridge, stash in the tree to get away from the bears and try to beat the sun and hike down before it gets dark out on the other side and try to get all the way back out to my truck and come back up the next day. As much as I do not like doing that, because I hate hiking back up in an area with no, no pack on. Just, I mean, I love hiking, but it's just like, I could do it all at once and get, get it done. But I was like, I can't do this right now with that snow trying to like climb up how steep was. I only had one trekking pole. So I basically had, you know, three wheels going up instead of my four wheel drive. And I kept sliding and slipping because the snow slick and the ground underneath is slick. And I ate it on my face so many different times. I'm surprised the back of my uh, mule deer nose isn't broken. Probably times I slipped going backwards even and fell back down. It was probably a sight to see, but it was it's one of those things where you get, you get done with it. I got up to the top of the ridge and uh, sat down for a while, like probably 15 minutes and just like, you know, what did I just do? Like I would totally, go back down there, do it right again, suck it up, have whatever it was, 150 some pounds for that shorter distance. Just like feel that, feel that success after you work for that. And it's just like, oh, there's, there's nothing, there's nothing better than that backcountry hunters. Oh, I, I, I love those experiences. That's awesome. You can just hear the passion bleeding out of you as you're talking, how much you enjoyed it. And I'm glad you 
got that, you know, it, you go on so many hunts that you really enjoy and you don't get success sometimes. And, and, but then to go and have the experience and not only that have, you know, shoot a great buck, um, and, and, you know, doing it solo and it's just like the ultimate reward. Um, I'm so glad you got to enjoy that. Let's take a quick break here. I'm super happy to announce that the Go Hunt Insider has just launched the newest insider state, Oregon. Every state is different when it comes to units, draw process, and regulations, and Oregon is one of the most complex states to figure out. Like other states, you'll have the Go Hunt Insider filtering 2.0 to decide where to apply and hunt with filters for trophy potential, harvest success, weapon type, season dates, and a lot more. Oregon has 10 big game species and covers a total of 67 units. You will not only get an analysis of units, subunits, and seasons, but also species breakdown with the interactive graphs, plus a state profile that outlines how to apply and fees associated with applying in Oregon. Go to gohunt.com forward slash jscott to sign up and receive a $50 Kuyu gift card just for signing up. Real Game Calls featuring the Elk Reel. Real Game Calls makes innovative, realistic, and easy-to-master calls using their proprietary, revolutionary design. They are located and manufactured in Gypsum, Colorado. Their calls were designed and battle-tested on some of the hardest-hunted terrain on Earth. Check out ElkReel.com. Use the promo code JSCOTT and receive a 20% discount on all purchases. Go to www.ElkReel.com. So Brady, then did you go up to your camp and then did you just end up stay, you know, what time was that? And did you end up just staying there that night and packing everything out or did you ultimately do two trips? Yeah, I ended up actually doing two trips. So I basically got up to the ridge and from where the ridge where I was, it was probably another mile hike along the ridge and dropped down a little bit in the timber where my, my tent was. And I was like, I just, I got to beat the sun right now. I don't want to camp up here. I don't have to deal with my clothes smelling like blood. I'm by myself. Like it's, it's snow. So the scent's going to be around way more. I'm going to lead a blood trail. I'm just going to hang, hang a bunch of meat in the tree. So I just kept whatever I had on me already, like my optics, my camera gear, my rifle, and a bunch of the meat. And I, I, so I stashed two of the game bags, hung in a tree, kept the cape, the head on my pack, and just started hiking back down the mountain. It was about... I think by the time I was on the ridge, I had an hour and a half left until it was dark. And so basically I just like said, screw it. I'm not going to find the trail. There's a trail way down below me. I'm just going to, it's snow. I'm just going to go straight down the mountain as best I can, avoid all the, the nasty rock cliff areas and just try to like navigate myself and get down as fast as I can to, to the trucks. I, want, I wanted to beat the, beat the darkness and I still had a long drive out of where I was at. So I was like, I'm just going to, at this point, too, here's the crazy part. I woke up in the morning. And I figured, oh, yeah, I'm going to go that way and go glass before I actually saw that big buck. I haven't eaten anything all day. I did not go eat breakfast in the morning because I was like, oh, I'm just going to go, you know, get my stuff glass later. For a as few I'm, minutes. I, yeah. Yeah. And go grab my food. Like I was having my food hanging in a tree. So at this point, I had not had any food. All I had was water. And I'm like, I just want to get down the mountain, find the dirtiest fast food place, little mom and pop restaurant I can, pound a bunch of coffee and celebrate. I was like, I want to get off the mountain right now. So I just like boogie down off the mountain and knew I had to come back up the next day. And I was like, okay, yeah, it's another day. I have to be gone, but that's, that's fine. I'm, I'll enjoy it tomorrow. And 
drove all the way out to the town I got to, got to the town about like nine o'clock, everything's closed. <laughs> oh, I, I, no. the, ga- the, gas, the gas station was closed, couldn't even get any like extra water. So I, I had water in the back of my truck. But I was like, oh, I, I really would love like an orange juice, something besides water, some like normal food. If I can get it, I'll, I'll take gas station food if need be. Cause all I had was like protein bars in my truck. I had some peanut butter and I was like, I've already eaten that forever, but it's like, I want something good to celebrate and then nothing. So I had a, I slept in my truck and said, I'll wake up in the morning when the, when the grocery store opens, the grocery store opens at seven, grab some food quick, relax, got some coffee, make the long drive back up in the mountains. And then at this point, the next day, it was just gorgeous. Like I'm, I'm really glad I got my buck today. I did, but the next day it got a little hotter. It was, you know, maybe in the forties and stuff was starting to melt and starting to get wet. And as a, so as I, you know, hiked back up the mountain, trying to get the rest of my, my deer meat, I kept getting like dumped on by snow, melting up the trees. And it was a picture perfect day. And it was just like one of those enjoyable hikes, but, you know, I just wish I would have been able to get done the night before, but it was just adds to another cool story, I guess. So you got up there at anything touched your meat or was it okay? No, I mean, it was all solid. That's what I was really, you know, kind of concerned about. I haven't seen any bear tracks up to this point. And I, you know, I didn't, that's, oh, that, I don't know if you use the new, uh, Kuyu debone bags, but they're, those handles awesome. on them, they're, yeah, they're phenomenal. Like moving that meat yeah. around from my pack to where I hung my thing and it easily just, you know, shimmy up a tree a little bit and I was able to hang it on a branch that was overhanging. It just stays there. You don't have to worry about, oh, I need to double tie the top of my bag really tight. Is this going to hold up? Like they were game bags didn't even move throughout the night. They were not frozen, but they were, they were really cold because it got down below freezing again, but not you know those all. handles, the handles, uh, I wish the handles would actually be on the game bags as well. You know, like, yeah, yeah, put, that's, that's a, you know, yeah, I like think if they, if they, they put a couple there. of those handles, yeah, on the side, you could hang them up in trees easier, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like, I was worried about too in the game bags when you, uh, if they're the quarter bags, when you cinch that drawstring tight, you still have to take it and make a knot out of it too, and then pull it tight because like all the bugs will still kind of get there. So they did have that. I don't like hanging it then from that point. Cause when you hang it from that point, after you tie, tie a knot in the top to keep the bugs out, it makes that knot so tight that sometimes oh, yeah, I'm like, man, can't, I can't get it out. You just have to cut get, it at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or find some water and like soak the end of it in water for a bunch of while until it gets pliable again. But it's like, yeah, if they had a handle on there and they can hang it from that handle. That's a really good idea. Yeah. I think that'd be mm-hmm. awesome. So you just packed everything up and out you came and got back to yep. your truck. Yeah, hiked back up, got the got the tent loaded. That's the funny thing. I was saying I I put my tent underneath the spot that had a big giant tree over it, but the tree wasn't that tall. It was just really wide, and at the point where it was like just a bunch of pine needles above me, so there's tons of stack of snow right above my tent. I get up there, and there's just like my tent's just full of snow. Like there's like I don't know a foot and a half, two feet of of melted snow all over my tent, and I'm like digging out to try to get to my tent because it's all full of you know snow tree branches from the wind and everything from the night before and it was, it was kind of like one of those things like man that tent can hold up to some abuse because it was like you know the poles were kind of leaning because the tent was been sitting there and no one had been like kicking the snow out but it held up just fine poles weren't poles weren't broken at all and grabbed all that tent hiked down off the mountain with that you know comfortable weight and it was really enjoyable pack out so a bunch of moose on my way out a bunch of elk and yeah, it was just one of those scenic, you know, scenic days, just just hanging out, you and the packed out meat. That's awesome. Um, on that tent, do you have the? Um, I'm not sure if they're aluminum or titanium, or do you have the carbon fiber? 
Yeah, there's the carbon fiber ones. Yeah, I'd, I'd prefer to go light, lighter if possible. Yeah. And that I have the carbon fiber on that tent as well. I I really like that tent. Yeah, it's a it's a bombproof tent. Like, well, congratulations on your buck. Um, uh, the listeners can go on uh, Brady's Instagram and check out those photos. Um, I think you also have an article on Go Hunt. Um, but let's go over the gear. Um, you did such a great job on the gear on the last podcast for your your summertime hunt. Um, let's go over the gear you used on this hunt. Yeah, definitely. So basically all the gear lists I talked about before, it's very, very similar to what I did now. Something I kind of did was made a few modifications for cold weather, cold weather camping. So I, I still kept my sleeping bag the same, 30-degree bag, because I have so many – I have a down jacket, down pants, tons of clothes with if I did get cold – I was really, really cold and I had that lantern. I could throw all the other stuff on and be really warm. But I did, like I said, upgrade the tent to the Kuyu tent from my uh, tarp tent. And uh, all the other food stuff's still the same. Still the pro bar, still the, you know, mountain house meals, still my breakfast, uh, breakfast protein oatmeal combination deal. But basically for like clothing wise, I, I switched up. And so I'll break it down by top, bottom, and then like gloves and headwear. So the tops, I was using an Ultramarino 145 zip tee. And then over top of that, I also had an Ultramarino 210 zip tee. So that's kind of like a little thicker one that has that polyester. I love that one. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty comfortable one. I even use that like actually uh, bare skin a couple of times. I don't have anything underneath it. And it's, I thought it would get itchy, but actually it's fairly, fairly comfortable. Yeah. And then on, on top of that, I had a Peloton 240, and uh, then I had a super down hooded jacket, uh, and I also had a super down vest, and I wore a guide jacket. So that's why I was saying earlier, I was like, oh, I was a Michelin man when I was up there. I have all this big, heavy gear on. And then I also brought a, my Ultra NX uh, rain gear as like a windproof layer. So I put that on as well when I was sitting there glassing because it was slightly windy in the morning for a little bit, but I probably didn't need that. It was a little overkill. Mm-hmm. What was the temperature that last morning when you were glassing? Yeah, so when I checked when I checked before I hiked up there, I was predicting that was going to be 16 degrees out down in the valley. So I'm assuming it was you know 16 up there, maybe a little less, maybe maybe even closer to 10. I don't know. It was it was really cold. Like every like my uh, my uh, uh, water bladder, I forgot to like clean out the hose and push all the water back down in the main main water. I kept the water next to my uh, my sleeping bag, but that the hose was hanging out and my water was all frozen when I woke up in the morning. Like the, the whole oh. tube was completely froze solid. So that's, Hey Jay. Sorry. I don't know what happened. Yeah. I said call disconnected or call, uh, call failed. No sweat. So just start right back in your tube had frozen. Yeah. So the, the tube had frozen. And at this point I was like, you know, maybe I should have taken a lot more winter winter gear up there. And I was like, gosh, I should have, those llamas again would have been great right now. Cause I could have, you know, taken a little like small wood stove, something to keep warm at night. But I was like, oh, but it, it wasn't really predicted to have, you know, a foot and a half of snow though, was it? No, no, it was definitely the snowstorm was supposed to be just Wednesday and not on Thursday, but like Thursday morning when I started hiking, hiking up, I was hiking up in the dark and it was, you know, not snowing yet. It was slightly foggy up and I got up there later and the snow started dumping and dumping and dumping and so I was just like oh you know it's like what are you what are you gonna do when you're all by yourself now and you don't have llamas you know to just put it all in your backpack and hope that's enough gear you brought up there and 
still remember you got to carry all the gear back out too. So you can't like go crazy with this winter gear. So it's like a fine line I'm trying to play of like, okay, enough to survive and enough to still be mobile and not kill myself on the hike out. Yeah. And what, what footwear did you have? I actually, I don't like hiking. My feet kind of get really warm when I hike with an insulated boot, especially that far. So I still kept with a non-insulated boot and it was just like, uh, I can't remember what the height is, like a six, eight inch boot. It's a Loa, um, Loa Ticam GTX. It's like, it's pretty good, uh, pretty good mountain, mountain leather boot. And then for like the footwear to continue, I had, uh, you know, I took the longer Kuyu uh, Yukon gaiters. So it's like bomb proof in the snow. And then for socks, I had uh, the Kuyu Ultramarino socks, the taller ones. And also underneath that, I doubled it up with a liner sock. So my feet are fairly this combination, like you can get in really far and hike, but then when you're glassing, you're definitely going to be cold. Like this is probably one of those times I should have brought my, I have a down booties that I can put on over my, over my feet when I'm sitting there glassing, but I didn't bring them on this trip because I didn't know it was going to be, you know, so cold. That's one of the things I should have brought them in my truck and, and made the decision there, but my feet were cold when I was glassing, but you know, once you move around, you're going to be warm. Um, for, uh, for bottoms, I wore, uh, this is kind of where I, I doubled up way too much again, but it was really nice. I had the ultra Marino, uh, 145 leggings. And then on top of that, I had put, could use Peloton 200 zip bottoms. And nice. then, I, and then also, double. <laughs> yeah, double, but here's the, here's the kicker that I put down pants on and then I put guide pants on over, over top of that. Wait, so you did the super down and then you put the guide over the top of the super down? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh man, was, you were you were stacked up. Yeah, I was I was toasty warm in the in the leg category. It's not one of those things you you do not want to walk around at all in a setup. But like, like I said, I was expecting to sit there and grind it out, glassing, trying to find a buck. But ended up working out well. And like I'm I'm yeah, like you said, I'm six foot five, really long legged, don't have any body fat on me, so I get really cold really easily. But I love the cold, but I just, my body just doesn't doesn't work right. So I have to have a lot of extra stuff. I'm surprised um, for, from a warmth factor. Is that why you put the super down uh, uh, below the guide pant? I'm surprised you didn't put the guide pant and then put just pull the because the super down pants zip off on you know they're unbelievable. Yep. They're like the they're like the bottoms. They zip completely off and you can they're easy on easy off. I'm surprised you didn't put those on the outside. Any reason I'm, why? Yeah, I've I've done that before. I probably should switch to it because they're. Since it's a super down, they're slightly waterproof. I just get so concerned still about, I mean, so that older down where you can't get it wet. And I just got so used to not wanting to put on the outside. Cause that's like my insulation layer. So I figured if I had to camp another night, yeah, I only sure. have a, I only have a 30, yeah. I only have a 30 degree bag. I really want to jump into my super down pants with yeah, all those other true. pants and be super warm. So it's, I guess you could, you could do it either way, but just for safety factor, I just decide not to. So if it was, if it was really cold, but no snow on the ground, you'd probably wear them on the outside just yep, while you're I'd wear them on the outside. But mm-hmm. since it was wet, you were worried that you didn't want to get that insulation layer because you only brought a 30 degree bag, which is a little light for the conditions you had, but you knew you could always wear your leggings and, and, and um, the super down uh, pants to keep you warm as well. And so you did not want to get those wet. Yep. That's true. Yep. Exactly how I, how I figured it. Okay. So yeah, it's one, okay. of, those and ta- it's one of those give and take things again. Where what, if, what about for gloves? You were probably yeah. undergunned on gloves. Ah, I kind of I kind of went a little beefy here too. Uh, so basically, I I fell in love with the Peloton 200s. I used to use merino liners or uh, yeah, merino gloves underneath, but now it's the Peloton 200. They're super super durable. Over top of that, I threw my North Star glove on, 
So it's like oh, yeah. I'm there, when I'm sitting there glassing, I'll use that as like so I have de- dexterity in my fingers. I can move them around. If it got really cold, I would. I also have my super down mitt. So a lot of times I take my hands out and I, I, I go like bare fingers and you know work my digiscoping camera. And while I was doing that, I was like, man, my fingers are cold. So instantly like throw my Peloton 200 gloves on, show them my super down mitt, and I'm totally warm. You know, super down mitts are great for the wind. They cut everything out. And also I brought, I did bring, I think I had two or three of those, uh, you know, just little hand warmers. You can, you know, those ones you shake up to activate. Yeah. So if I got if I got cold as well, I'd throw those in my super down mitt so my fingers can get uh, warmed up. Because, like, my fingers and my toes and my body, like, it's a done deal when they get cold. I'm, I can't even, like, work a zipper. Back in the day when I was a fisheries biologist, we working in the cold. I couldn't even, like, I couldn't even pick off my life jacket and pinch, like, the buckle if my hands would get so cold. It's like, they just don't work with the cold. So I just, you know. And I think, too, if you, can keep your, if you can keep your toes, your fingers, and your head warm, you're 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 way better off than if one of the three of those get cold because as soon as one of them gets cold it seems like the other two fall in suit for me if mm-hmm. i can keep my head my fingers and my toes uh pretty warm i'm i'm usually in pretty good shape you know and another thing i was thinking about too it's like when one when one of those key things fail you're not hunting your hardest anymore you're more concerned about staying warm so you're not going to be glassing as effective you're going to be like okay i can glass for a little bit but man it'd be so great just like cuddle into a little ball right now and try to stay warm and maybe walk around do some jumping jacks like i'd rather go crazy on my optics and pick apart deer and not be like okay i gotta warm my feet up gotta stand up gotta do this like you hunt more effectively i think when you prepare yourself for that yeah for Um, sure um what else what else are we uh headwear so now i switched up and i'll be running i ran the uh, peloton 200 beanie and on top Mm -hmm. of that since again i get kind of cold i run the peloton 240 I uh, I brought the. You love that 240. I love yeah, that 240. The, the, two, the 240 is phenomenal. Like I probably did not need that when I went on my hunt in Nevada in August, but I brought the Peloton 240. It's like it's so great <laughs> at night. Just like cover my ears a little bit, sitting there sleeping. It's like it's it's my it's my go-to headwear piece it right now. It just feels good too. I mean, it's soft. I just love that. I just love that beanie. Yeah, it's soft. It's, it's like technical. You can hear with it. You can. It's super comfortable. It's yeah. It's everything you want in like a good good beanie you know yeah. and then uh to round out that i, I did bring a, a balaclava as well their peloton balaclava just to like you know fully eliminate the elements you know if i had if i had win situation i do have a lot of hoods like my, my base layers i could cut out some of the hoods of mine but i really love i can throw on my peloton hood i can throw on my super down hood and i can throw on my uh my guide my guide jacket hood and the elements can't affect me and then with that peloton as well zip it all the way up. Like I said, I can still glass. I can still do everything effectively. My body's not getting cold. I'm not losing, you know, valuable heat. And that is, yeah, not to mention you could, you've got the Ultra NX jacket too. You could use the hood on it. Yep. So if it it was going to snow or I was going to start to get wet, yeah, the guide jacket is, you know, DWR. It can, you know, hold water or repel water, but it's like, that thing's so light, might as well be prepared for, for anything it throws at you, especially since it's winter, you know, it's got a, you got to throw in the extra precaution. Like summer, yeah, I get pretty careless sometimes and go really ultra light. But this time, like you can't, you can't go super ultra light when you're hunting in snow in the mountains. It's like it's a hard, hard thing to figure figure out. Unless you add, you know, llamas and stuff like that, where you could expand your gear choice a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's talk about anything else we're missing there on gear. I think that nails it. Yeah, I talked about the pen, talked about the gear. I mean, I, yeah, I was shooting. I'll uh, tell I mean, you, um, 
I backpacked um, much different conditions, 95 degrees last weekend with Dar and his uh, youngest son. But I went back to the Excel spreadsheet on that last podcast we had did. And uh, Excel spreadsheet, you can go on gohunt.com and get this uh, spreadsheet on an article that Brady did. I'll tell you, um, you turned me on to a couple things that I really like, and that's um, the Pro Base and the Pro uh, Pro Bar Meal uh, Peanut Butter Chocolate Chip and Peanut Butter Aren't Chocolate. Aren't those things good? <laughs> oh, my goodness. And they, they're filling, too. Yeah, they're hearty. Uh-huh. Like, if you, if you really want to go crazy, like I – I mentioned in there I use that Justin's peanut butter, Justin's almond butter, Justin's hazelnut butter. I got butter. that too. I got that throw, too. I, I throw, love throw that. Throw a little bit of that on there, and you're like you're you're protein packed. You feel like you're like one of those guys going to the gym bodybuilding right now. Like you are, you feel hearty inside. Yeah, it was. I uh, I was gonna say I got the um, the honey stinger honey waffle. I got the Justin's chocolate hazelnut butter. Justin's maple almond butter. Love that. I got the macadamia nuts like you recommended. Yep, they, I mean they're 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 odd tasting, but in a way they're satisfying as well, and they're super packed with calories. You feel you feel like warmer, like a cold hunt like this. I think it's better for your body with all those nice fats in there. Yeah, yeah. So th- those were a couple things that I added to my um, kit that from you that I really um, I really liked it. It was uh, it was good stuff. So I think that yeah, pretty much rounds a lot of the gear out. I mean for. Yeah, since it was a rifle hunt, I was using a uh, Browning Yeah, X-Bolt. what gun were you using? Yeah, how do you and, like that? Oh, my God. Browning X-Bolt is like the, a factory gun on steroids. It's like, I don't, I don't know what it is. You can, I mean, the, the trigger's super crisp. I adjusted my trigger. I think I'm at like two and three-quarter pounds right now on the trigger pull. You know, it's a, I have a 300-win mag. My, my dad shot 300-win mags his whole life. I have two 300-win mags now, but it's like my dad's always taught me, like, you shoot anything. It's like I kind of shoot a, you know, medium heavy arrow. It's like I hit something with a 300 win mag, it goes down. Like you hit it and you don't have to worry about animal running away. Yeah. It's not the fastest caliber. It's not the you know most flattest shooting. You probably get something a little better, but it's like that caliber has worked for my dad. My dad's a big long range rifle junkie. Basically. I mean, he has custom rifles. He has stock rifles. that he soups up. He's, he, he knows a lot about long range shooting turrets, setting up, you know, cosine indicators, Coriolis effect of the, of the earth rotating. Like my dad's a geek. And so he kind of like throws that on. That's, he's like, he's like me, how I take my archery stuff. He's like the same way on, on rifles. So I've kind of, kind of evolved now and I'm geeking out on rifles. Just like I used to geek out my bow. So I have the Browning, I have a Vortex, uh, PST six to 24 by 50 scopes. So it's a beefy scope. And I just, it's kind of the same thing. Like my bow, like, I mean, talk about the other episode. I, I love a heavy bow. I really enjoy a heavy rifle. I shoot really good with it. I've shot, you know, a lot of, you know, animals back in the day with rifles and shot a bunch of Kyle elk with rifles and they're never, they were just like, you know, a hand-me-down rifle and this shooting a heavy rifle, I'll throw a heavy scope on there. I'll throw a, you know, a good heavy bipod on there and just, I feel more comfortable with a good solid shooting platform. And, you know, this is, this is kind of really, really fun for me shooting this and geeking out lately. What grain bullet were you using? Uh, it's a 180 grain Nosler partition. Uh, these are my, my dad's really geeking all this stuff. He hand loaded all my stuff for me. I just don't have the setup right now yet. So I'm, I'm probably going to add maybe a rifle reloading kit here pretty soon and start reloading my own ammo. But right now, yeah, he, he reloads it for me. He, I basically sent my rifle to my dad or I went back to the Minnesota or 4th of July, brought my rifle there. He, he doped it all in, you know, figured out the best bullet coefficient and started geeking out and then sent my rifle back and 
all I really had to do was, you know, verify my data and build a build a turret for or build a a dope chart for it and verified it in Las Vegas here. And I verified it once I got in Wyoming and made some little adjustments and boom, I was I was dead on again. It's it's super simple. I was I was very happy with all the work he's done into it and all my research I've done on rifles and it's been it's a good gun to shoot. That's awesome. Okay. What would you have done looking back now? What would you have taken differently or what would you have done differently um, on either the first or second trip um, that you could easily say you would have done different or did you, did you do everything exactly perfectly? Well, I mean, here's one thing that might upset some people. I probably would have a, uh, got one of my resident friends of Wyoming and had him come hunt with me the first trip so I could hunt a wilderness area in Wyoming because a wilderness area in Wyoming you cannot hunt it if you're non-resident and that really irks me and I'm trying to uh, figure out I don't know what something can do or what maybe backcountry hunters can like help put together we can try to make this so non-residents can hunt wilderness areas in Wyoming again it's something that's very frustrating to me I saw probably one of the biggest deer I've seen in the hoof. My Colorado deer that I lost last year was actually probably bigger than this, but it was a big 190, maybe 200 inch deer in the wilderness area where I was hunting the first time with my had the llamas and I could not go after the deer because the grass is the same on both sides of the wilderness area. I can hike and I can fish in the wilderness area, but I cannot hunt in the wilderness area as a non-resident. It just kind of, you know, irks me a little bit. My, our federal land should be able to hunt there. I kind of understand a little bit because it's a, it's a guide thing. And outfitters, you know, they get money by hunting the wilderness, but it's still like one of those weird deals. Maybe make maybe make non-residents, you know, take a training course on backcountry safety or wilderness safety. It's like it's no different. I'm already seven miles in. What's eight miles? You know, what's what's that one mile doing for me? It's like there's still grizzly bears. There's still danger when you're in the backcountry. Yeah, there might be a little more danger in the wilderness area, but not much. You know, it's just irks me a little bit. Well, Certainly someone like you that's super qualified and, you know, probably more qualified than honestly a lot of uh, people that, you know, uh, uh, than the outfitters, um, not taking anything away from them. But it it, it does seem a little odd that someone like yourself wouldn't be allowed to do that. Um, That's the first, you know, I've heard of that before, but you bring up a good point. It's kind of the first time I really thought about it from you know, one of my buddies going hunting and seeing a big buck and not being able to shoot it, that stinks. Yeah, and I did meet a bear biologist and talk to him for a little bit when I was out um, hunting and talked to him since then too. And he did say, I talked, I told him I saw a big deer in the wilderness area and I've seen an outfitter photo that I think is the outfitter who was back there because I saw his outfitter camp with a, I think it was a 195 inch deer. So I'm like, that could be the buck. He was camped really close to where I saw the buck. But I'm not sure. So some lucky hunter out there got him, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm happy for the, the hunter who shot the big deer, but yeah, it is yeah. what it is. But Phonescope is a company that makes custom-molded, precisely engineered smartphone digiscoping adapters. Photographing wildlife has never been easier. It is simple to text photos and videos from your smartphone and share them with your friends. Phonescope stands behind their product with a 100% money-back guarantee. Get yours now by using the JSCOT16 promo code and receive 10% discount on all purchases. Check them out at Phonescope. That's P-H-O-N-E-S-K-O-P-E.com or on Instagram at Phonescope.
I have known the owners of the Outdoorsman's in Phoenix for over 20 years. They are the authority on optics and hunting gear. Outdoorsman's is the leading designer and manufacturer of high-quality tripods, mounting accessories, and pack systems for all hunters. Their customer service is the best in the business. Go to Outdoorsman's.com or call 1-800-291-8065 and use the J. Scott promo code to receive 10% off any products. Um, I would say probably on the second trip from here and you'd take the llamas if you had to do it over again. Yeah, I'd definitely take the llamas or, uh, or here's the crazy thing is I would go less food in the, I mean, I mentioned that in my article that I'm, I'm thinking about like taking less food up there, but I got, I got so exhausted when I'm up there and yeah, food would make me you know, more energized. It's like at night, I didn't want, I didn't really feel like eating my mountain house. I would rather have add more, added more water weight or ate more protein bars than, you know, make a meal at night or do something like that. So like, it was just two days. I could have sacrificed a little on the food section and, you know, and then the next day when I shot my deer, I didn't eat anything at all. So it was like, I brought that food up there and packed it all out and didn't eat any of it. It's just like, yeah, it's, it's hard to plan for that sort of thing, but it's just carried extra weight. I could have put towards other gear, lighten my load a little bit, but. Well, what an awesome trip. Um, I hate to even ask, but do you got anything else after this? I think you do. Yeah, that's the crazy thing. It's like uh, the year of the mule deer, I think we said before. I mean, yeah, I, I know I had opportunities in Nevada and got to full draw a bunch of times on good bucks and never got it happen. My friend got a, I got my friend a nice 160-inch deer, and so I experienced deer in Nevada. had a good hunt here in Wyoming. Uh, I have a third-season Colorado tag coming up, so – you dirty dog. Yeah, so the the year to have a third season. Those dates are prime. Those layouts are going to be for you know quite a while, and getting ready to grind it out there. And after that, I have my family trip. I always take my dad, and my brother, and my dad's friend from the East Coast to Montana. In this area, I've grown to love over the years when I lived in Montana, and there's no like the back of my hand. So I have another mule deer tag in Montana. So I have, I have two more hunts coming up, and that's going to be a Thanksgiving hunt. So it's yeah, it's a phenomenal year. Definitely, definitely very blessed. That's awesome. For this Colorado hunt that's coming up, um, are you going to add any additional gear? Because you'll have sustained colder weather. Um, how is your gear going to change on this upcoming hunt? Uh, I'm, I'm going to be taking insulated boots. I'm probably going to take in some like 800 gram, uh, some 800 gram boots. And other than that, I might, I might actually say pretty similar to this. It's going to, I'm not going to be backpacking on this one. So I will be going back to a, you know, a, a central location every night and maybe changing spots and, you know, a lot, lot more, you know, driving around in the, in the vehicle, trying to find the migrations and then parking and hiking out. I'm hoping to, you know, hunt, you know, three miles from the truck at least, do a bunch of like big day, day hunt type things and just follow the herds and figure out where the bucks are and if the rut's going to kick yet. So, I mean, we're going to different hunt, different, different situation, but it's still going to be just like one of those hunts. Where I'm going to try to, you know, grind it out knowing like, Hey, if I get further away from the roads, further away from these people, might open the door to find a really good deer. So here I'm trying to, you know, hold out yeah. for again, you know, that 180 type buck and just see what I can find. It's going to be phenomenal time, phenomenal dates in the great state of Colorado. So you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, for sure. I think the only thing that um, could, I'm going to be on the strip uh, during kind of that same time. And I think that moon, I think your hunt's the fifth through the 13th, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, that's, um, yep exactly right. I think, the moon, I think the moon is full right around the, Gosh, I don't, I say that now and I don't know, but I, I want to say it's full around the 10th or 11th. Um, 
of November. That that would be the only thing I would think that would maybe slow it down a little bit. But I have a feeling those deer, by the end of that hunt, you know, talking about your Colorado hunt, I think they're going to be rutting enough that I don't think it's going to matter. Um, yeah, you know, you I, actually I might agree. get a little more midday activity. Um, you know, they might lay up at first light just a little bit, but it'll probably be cold enough and they'll probably move midday because of the full moon. Yep. That's it. I love like this type of hunt, the same kind of thing I do when I'm in my Montana hunt. Cause my Montana hunt in November, I scheduled around the, the later rut in Montana and just, you know, grinding deer all day, you know, deer moving, deer rutting. It's like, it's such a fun time to pick out deer in the snow, pick out deer, you know, it's, it's November is the magical month for me, mule deer. I, I love the velvet, but I also love this hard horn phase right now. It's, it's nothing better and can't really do it many places, you know, besides some late season archery stuff. So getting a rifle tag is pretty cool. Yeah, you're an official mule deer junkie for sure. Oh, um, addicted. It's a disease. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, buddy, it's great having you on here uh, as always. And uh, thanks for sharing your time with us. And I want to give you a chance to let the listeners know how they can find you. And uh, you do such a great job over there at GoHunt.com. You know, just the content you guys are kicking out every single day out there. Um, Just hats off to you for the great work that you do. Hey, thank you. Thank you again for having me on. And, uh, yeah, it was great talking to you. Yeah, you can most of the time, you know, I'm big on Instagram and uh, run a lot there. So you can find me on Instagram, just uh, like Brady underscore J underscore Miller. And definitely look me up on Go Hunt. I mean, I have a, you know, a bunch of great writers out there pumping a lot of cool content. We have a lot of uh, good insider articles coming up around strategies around the rut. We are starting to do some pre-application stuff right now, like, uh, you know, saving up for applications. I'm releasing a bunch of those articles. And uh, I also have a bunch more of, like, my really geeky technical archery stuff I'm going to start pumping out again right now. So I have a, new, a couple of new strategies I've been trying. It's kind of this off-season working towards, uh, working towards next year. So it's, it's a fun time to be a hunter. Uh, hunt's coming up and, you know, off-season, show season's coming up. And good chance to meet everyone. It's always, always fun. Right on, buddy. Sounds good. Well, uh, God bless you and be safe. And I can't wait to see the next uh, next installment of the uh, Brady Miller Adventures, uh, the Colorado style. Hey, thanks. Appreciate it again. And yeah, good luck to you as well. And uh, yeah, take care. Guys, thanks for listening and supporting my podcast. If you would, please go on iTunes and leave me a comment and leave me a five-star rating. That helps our placement on iTunes. If you'd like to send me an email, you can at jscottoutdoors at gmail.com. You can also follow along our adventures at jscottoutdoors.com, also on Instagram or Facebook. I'd like to thank my sponsors for supporting this podcast, GoHunt.com Insider, PhoneScope, The Outdoorsman's, and Real Game Calls.